everyone, welcome to another episode of Photography Chat with Merlin, uh, season two, episode 27, with uh, Jay uh, Bourdois, I think, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, let's get Jay invited over here, also known as Morbid Jay on the Instagrams. Um, let's get him in there. Oh, okay, we've got unsolicited emotion. It's the account that he's rocking. Hello. Hey, dude. man. How's it going? How you doing? Not too bad. I got mixed up on the accounts. <laughs> I said, oh, I see. I see. I see. Wrong yeah. one. It's all it's good, all though. Good. Yeah, how you been? Living the dream, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just another, yeah. Day in paradise. How about yeah, you? I'm good. Can't complain. I just got out of work, you know. Came ready for this. What uh, what keeps you busy these days? Huh. Well, I have a lot of side projects that I work on. Um, mostly, like, making things and stuff like that. So that's kind of what keeps me busy. But as of lately, I kind of want to dive into back into photography uh, possibly like uh, concerts or any type of performance stuff, conceptual things, things like that. I just want to start back on my portfolio, you know? I yeah. miss it. I, I miss concerts so much. Yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, that's been one thing I've definitely, like, disliked so much of the pandemic is, like, losing live concerts. Exactly, yeah. And I feel like I didn't take advantage of it while it was while the pandemic wasn't here and it's like now I want it so much. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Cause you, you sort of take it for granted cause it's there. You're just like, yeah. it's never gonna go anywhere. And, and now now we know it can. It can Exactly, it. yeah. Which is I, kind of brutal. I think the pandemic taught us a lot of lessons. A lot of things we took for granted, you know? Yeah, I mean, it changed a lot of my own priorities and um, you know trajectory of like what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be and stuff. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, if you want to take just a sec to let the people's uh, oh yeah for sure watching uh, just know a little bit about yourself. Uh, all right, so I'm Jay. I've been passionate about photography, I want to say, for close to eight years. Um, I started with street photography, just like roaming the streets. I was shooting on like a digital kit Canon camera. And then I started like, I have a pretty obsessive personality. So as I was doing it, I kept like doing my research. I was like watching uh, YouTubers like uh, Fronos Photos, Matt Day, um, you know, a few others that I can't really remember at, at the moment. And I just started like sort of getting this um, obsession for it. And I started learning about film and learning about like, uh, you know, like aperture and like shutter speed and all that stuff and like learning all these like techniques. And then, um, and then once I got into uh, analog and like Polaroid film, I just became obsessed. And I think that's how uh, we bumped into each other on social media was because we both shot Polaroid film. Yeah, we came across each other on uh, 
Polaroid gram. I don't know what the kids call it these days. If it was TikTok, it'd be Polaroid talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were on, um, and I think there was like some Facebook groups that we probably were in. Yeah, there's been a few Facebook right? And I mean, yeah. Facebook groups get a little spicy with like all of the cranky old white dudes that are like, this Polaroid is bullshit. In my mm -hmm. day, it, it blah, blah. And it's just like, for fuck's sakes, man. Like, yeah, the gone. snobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like, okay, just don't buy it. Why do you have to inflict your opinion exactly. on everyone else? Like I saw the other day, someone was just like, hey, can I take an empty, empty 600 cartridge and put it into an SX-70 for testing? And then some, like, old dude just was, like, started just ripping them a new asshole about how shitty the film is. And it's like, that wasn't even their question. It was, yeah. Will this work? It's like unsolicited opinions. Yeah, it's a little wild. I mean, I'm I'm grateful <laughs> that uh, it still exists, but I'm curious what uh, what got you pulled into? Yes, yeah, someone's like I saw that comment. <laughs> 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 um, what pulled you into the the Polaroid rabbit hole? Hmm. Okay, so what pulled me in is I got an Instax, um, it was like a 300 camera, and I was shooting, and at the time I had all this, like, creativity in my mind, and I was like, damn, I wish I could do more, you know, like, I wish I could get better depth of field, I wish I could, like, control it more, so then I, like, discovered the SX-70 through, like, Matt Day, and then I was like, whoa, this is, like, an SLR, and it, like, folds, and this is, like, fucking amazing, so... Yeah. I like invested in a SX-70 sonar and then I just like went wild. Like I was spending so much money on film and this was at the time where it was like impossible project. Yeah. So it was like more expensive and it was like a little wonky, like 30 minutes for development. So, and then from there, I just like, it was like nonstop. I was shooting film, like Polaroid film nonstop. And then I was like collecting cameras at that point. Cause I had like, I don't know, four S670s. So that's yeah. what got me into that, yeah. I've, I've got I've got more SX70s than I want to talk about. It's, it's yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> but, you uh, even had one of mine. <laughs> I did, yeah, briefly. Yeah. And that, that was yeah. kind of, it, it was a great camera. And I like the custom, like, did you do the custom? Uh, the back? Letter? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. Cool. It's like part of a um, land quote. Edwin Land Co. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the dude, he was such a, a genius is like not, I don't think even like a, a strong enough term for, for that guy. Like just, um, I did a bunch of research on, on Polaroid and him for like a Polaroid workshop last year. Mm -hmm. And just the whole Polaroid story and like the company and, and him is just, it's so fascinating and it's, it's wild. Like the stuff that they, they did. And just mm -hmm. even still today to see the, the cameras that were like built in like the 60s and 70s still being used by so many people. It's uh, it's kind of a trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it is. Being based in, in New York and shooting during the Impossible era, do you ever get a chance to like hit up the Impossible shop uh, when it was open? No. Um, when I started shooting Impossible Project Film, they had like closed like two years prior, I believe. But I had started making connections the minute I started shooting. So I met a lot of like people that were working at, Pol uh, well, Impossible Project, now Polaroid at the time. 
and I was making like really good connections and, and, uh, and relationships. Unfortunately, most of the people that I knew are no longer there and it's like a whole new team. But for that like year that I knew them, it was like amazing. We were getting hooked up with film. Uh, me and my friend shot Comic-Con and they like blessed us with film like two years back to back, I think. So it was like really cool. But now it's like, that's kind of like not a thing that would happen. They're more corporate and you know, you know the way they are now, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's a little different. Like I, I got blessed with a little bit of film right before the the doors got shut there, and got that like sweet sweet Polaroid logoed film that everyone gets all excited about. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of neat stuff. I think I still have like a box or so left around. I yeah, back for hoarding film. I, I gotta just shoot it more. Yeah, 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 definitely. What's your favorite Polaroid film? At, at this day oh man of what's available or of like just in general in general like i want to know like what's your favorite like integral film but also like in general instant film well my favorite instant film is the pack film i just love the shit out of it uh fp100 uh c I love the 3000B, um, Type 55 also. You can't go wrong with that stuff. Yeah. Um, 669, those are all great pack films. Uh, for Integral, um, I shot a pack of uh, Time Zero, and I loved it. It was so good. Like, I... I it made me sad because I was just like, I can, I have one more pack of it left that I'm just like, I'm saving it for like, you know, a special project, but I was just like, this is so good. And it's so old and janky. So like how much better would have it been when it was brand new? Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I like shooting a lot of expired 600 because you get kind of janky results with it. And sometimes you can work with the emulsion to like, you know, get cool effects with it. So I've made some cool shots with it. On the Polaroid original stuff, though, I really love the Nashville frames. Hmm. Um, it was these these guys. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, they yeah. had like a couple of different, couple of different flavors of like the. Oh, the cool. Uh, the Nashville one was pretty cool, uh, and then all the Duochromes. Um, I never got to shoot Duochrome red, but um, oh. I love the the. The pink and the blue were great, and yeah. the yellow was a lot of fun. I dig the yellow. Yeah, that's one of the films I think we got blessed with was uh, red and orange, I believe. Yeah, it's pretty fun stuff. Yeah, I, I bought a pack of Duochrome Orange off of Henry's in Toronto, and it ended up just being fucked, and it didn't work at all. And uh, yeah, there's a bigger story there but i never gave them any more money after that because i was a little pissed because i mean that shit was expensive too because it was like the old like that was still impossible stuff and they weren't really discounting it because they like needed to make their money back on it so yeah. it was kind of, uh, kind of disappointing i've been fucking around with the round frames and i kind of dig the round frame like they're they're kind of cool yeah um, i i've been wanting to get it but i feel like are they still sold out of it no, it, I think they're back in stock. Okay, because the first time they released it, I, was, I like missed it. Like, 
by two days or something like that. And I was like, shit. I feel like they're really good for portraits, the round frames. Yeah, they'd be fun. They they are fun for portraits. Um, yeah, I, I really like. I dig those ones, and then um, the the red foil ones, like the red and the gold foil ones. Like yeah, it was like Christmas time they launched those ones. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. are cool. They're fun. They I scan kind of weird though. They do scan kind of weird, but um, they're they're kind of cool. Like I I shot. Um, I shot a gold frame um, portrait for Mocha only. He's a rapper here in Vancouver. And um, he ended up using it for one of his album covers. <laughs> and nice. I, just, like, I see him post it, and I was just like, holy shit, that's my photo. <laughs> that's sick. That, that must be a great feeling. It was a cool feeling. Like, it's um, it's interesting when, when your work kind of gets out there and... Uh, feels a little humbling because like i don't do this for for money or anything it's just more mm -hmm. of a mental health practice so. right right i feel that what about you what's uh, what's your favorite uh, instant film and your favorite integral um i always like packed film i never got to shoot the black and white stuff mm. um i did shoot like the 100c which is cool but i think my favorite Hmm. I gotta say, it's like when Polaroid first, be when In Impossible became Polaroid Originals, there was this batch they had of like their new film, and it was just like so clean, and I loved it. Um, I haven't shot any of their new stuff, so I can't really can't really say. But um, currently, I do like the black and white with the black borders. I, I like just love how clean it is and it's like already almost matted and framed it's just beautiful yeah that that stuff yeah i totally <laughs> forgot about that stuff um the, the black frame black and white is cool yeah and um they, they have black frame color but it's only an eye type so if you want to shoot it in an sx70 or um a 600 you have to reload it um into yeah. a cartridge with a battery pack that's usually what I do nowadays. That's I think that's what I did with the black frame, black and whites. It was originally an eye type, and I was just like yeah. putting it in the dark room and stuff. Yeah, not a. I hate the change bags though. They they wig me out a little bit. Like the changing bags, yeah. Yeah, just the my hands feel all weird inside of them. <laughs> it's like a weighted blanket on you, and it's so weird just messing around with it. Well, there's the weighted blanket <laughs> part. But what really gets me is that there's a temperature difference between my hands and the rest of my body. And when it starts to get like spicy in there, you're just kind of like, oh man, like you want to pull your hands out, but you can't. Mm -hmm. You're in the middle of something. Exactly. And there's exactly. been a few times where I've like, I've had like an itch on my face or something. And like, you, you're just like, oh, fuck, how do do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Or if you're getting like a phone call or something, it's just like, oh, it's the worst the worst yeah and i one time i fucked up and i left my apple watch on when i in someone texted me or something and it like exposed some shit and ruined some film so that's so it didn't get cool light leaks it just like completely fucked it up it well it kind of fucked it up it wasn't cool at all oh yeah it kind of ruined it it would have been neat if it if it had some cool light leaks or so when, when you got into uh 
the film stuff, did you ever end up um, doing any darkroom work at all with it or? Uh, the most that I did was I would like develop my own film, but I never really got into the darkroom and printed my own stuff. I never did anything like that, unfortunately. I know there was like a few workshops that I probably could have attended in the city, but I just never, I never got into it. But um, yeah. yeah. I think there's a, like there's the Bushwick community darkroom. I don't know if they're open because of COVID still or not, but if you ever wanted to try printing, you could probably check them out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you, you said you have some projects in mind. Uh, you know, what, um, what, what are the projects that you're thinking of? Um, I want to get back into like instant photography, but I just want to like have concepts in mind, things that I want to shoot. Um, I always enjoy shooting portraits. So I have to like kind of put some stuff together and like kind of like execute it. But as of right now, what I'm trying to do is, uh, I recently applied for like a, position at a music hall, like as an assistant, uh, assistant photographer. So I want to kind of like build a better portfolio based on concert photography. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm aiming for at this point. But the thing is, like, there's not so much concerts and stuff going on. I mean, I think they're going to start again soon. Like, um, I, I got an email today that like propaganda is is like touring again and they're they have a date in vancouver on october and i was just like okay i'm fully vaxxed like yeah i'll, I'll wear a mask and go see a punk show i've yeah. seen a punk show in years at this point so <laughs> it kind of thing um so like i feel like things are gonna um start uh, opening up dozy says hit up summer, summer stage yeah yeah, that's that's around uh, New York City, like Central Park. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I just have to slide in whenever there's an opportunity and just, you know, just do that. Yeah. You say you were getting, you, you originally started with, uh, with street photography. Like, what, mm -hmm. um, what were your favorite um, places to, to shoot when you were getting started with that? Um... So I'm from uh, Lower Manhattan in New York City, and it, there's like so much around here. I would usually hit like uh, Chinatown or like Delancey Street or like, uh, you sort of just venture off and see what's there to shoot. Washington Square Park, there's like so many places. But uh, I would like to like look for characters um, or like just anything that's interesting to me. And I have like a, a shitload of street photography photos that I don't share. It, it was just kind of personal stuff. I think maybe one day if the opportunity is brought up, I probably would have a show. That's how much content I have. Damn, dude. That's just yeah. you have like a secret stash of uh, stuff. Yeah. On. We all have secret stashes, like stuff that we just keep to ourselves, right? That's I'm sure you have a bunch of stuff that you haven't shared with the public. I've got like the secret stash and then there's like the super secret stash of things that I don't even want to see anymore but I don't want to destroy so yeah oh I feel that yeah they go in a box that goes in a box that goes in the crawl space <laughs> I feel that I feel that yeah yeah because it's just like 
I've thought about it and I've wanted to destroy them a few times, but then it's just like, you know what, one day when I'm older and less bitter, I'll probably appreciate these again. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Memory sake, you know? Well, yeah. And, um, also just like, I don't know. I have so many negatives. It's just wild to think like whoever ends up having to like clean out my apartment or like wherever someone's like porn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, funny. That's not really street photography though, unless you're like an exhibitionist and you know, no, no kink shaming there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean like, like I've shot like, tens of thousands of photos at this point and I have like just huge like Home Depot extra large boxes of negatives Wow. that I don't even know how to start sorting them so they just live wow. in the boxes and um, yeah and one day someone will have to go through them yeah yeah I'm sure it'll be fun yeah it's, it's interesting though like with with creating so it's like um I recently got introduced to this like super fascinating photographer that lives here in Vancouver uh, through Big Head Taco on Instagram. Um, his his name is uh, Andre Robido, mm. and um, super fascinating dude. He's been shooting since like the early '60s, late '70s, and. Um, we were trying to get him to go for a photo walk and he's like, I'm too old to make new photos. I got photos I'm not even going to use yet. It's like, I'll be long dead before anyone touches some of this stuff. So he's like, you know, now his, his tasks are like going through all of the photos he has, figuring out what he can do with them and what projects are feasible with the time he's got left. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. And he's like a, a film shooter or guessing. Yeah, yeah. So he's like shot um, with uh, with Leica, Nikon's, and then uh, he did make the leap into the, like the Leica digital world, um, which you know, it's nice he got the money to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're pretty cool cameras. Like you know, if I had the bank, I'd buy an M10. Why not? Same, same. <laughs> they do yeah. have a nice feel, and like I, I picked up this Zorky recently. Yeah. And um man was this the worst decision i ever made in my life because it just makes me want to real like us so much worse now <laughs> yeah how's the viewfinder on that it's like the little circle right yeah so it's, it's got there's like the the one viewfinder for uh focusing and then the other one for uh, framing and um it's perfect like um if because i guess like some people legit can't see rangefinder um but if you're someone that can like see rangefinders it's a really nice patch like it's a super bright patch easy to focus um yeah like it's i, I 10 out of 10 recommend picking up a zorky and then it's got like this elmar uh 50 mil ripoff lens mm. like it, the russians shamelessly ripped off the like a model three and yeah. the Elmar lens and uh yeah like it it's a great camera I think they did the same thing with the Hasselblad they made the Kiev 88 I think it's called they did yeah they ripped off the Hassie too like they have a reputation of doing that yeah like they're 
the Russians are just a little crazy. Yeah. Why not? Um, it works, right? It works well. And it was great that I showed you this rookie because I totally forgot I had another roll of film that I have to mail for processing. So Nice. That's uh, all coming up Millhouse. What type of mount is that? Is it like an L mount? Yeah, it's the LTM mount. So you can use like the Leica thread mount. Um, so you can use Leica lenses with it or you can use this on a Leica. Nice. Um, if you're a broke boy and you bought the body, but you can't afford the Leica glass. A lot of people are, are in that position. <laughs> Which is probably what I'll end up doing if I ever come across like a cheap LTM body. Um, I'll end up just using this lens on there. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that's also cool with it, having this separate uh, focusing and framing patches, it doesn't matter what lens you put on it, um, you can still use the focusing patch. So if you put like a wider lens or a shorter lens on it, the focusing patch still works because it's just like, as, as long as it's, um, what's the fucking word for it? Where like when you, when you move the focusing uh, knob, as long as it moves the bar inside for the rangefinder, coupled, as long as it's coupled, yeah, uh, it doesn't matter what um, what focal length it is; it'll just work with the the focusing thing. Which um, I was like, that's actually kind of a cool thing because, like, when you're looking at the Leica M3s and M4s and stuff, you there's specific like lenses that'll work with the focusing lines in it or whatever. Right. So, yeah, that's um, I don't know. It's worth. You can pick them up cheap. Like you could probably pick these up for like eighty bucks, hundred bucks U.S. with the lens. Wow. Yeah. That's sick. That's yeah. actually a great way to get into um, rangefinder photography. <laughs> well, and for street photography, I've actually really dug it a lot too, um, because it's small. You could like fit it in your you know, jacket pocket or whatever your hoodie. Yeah. Um, it's super quiet like the shutter on it, you, you barely hear it when it goes off. And um, once you start getting used to uh, focusing distances, you don't even have to use the rangefinder anymore. You can just sort of like, oh, I want to shoot that. I kind of know that this is where I need to set the focus and it'll more or less be... Um, Zone focusing, basically. Yeah, more or less, yeah. Um, another cool one for street photography that, that I super love, um, especially if you're in the broke boy camp is um the lamography reusable camera this thing is super dope for street photography man um because it's like a ninja it's super like the only the loudest part of it is when <laughs> when you do the advance mm -hmm. but um like taking a shot with it it's uh like this is how loud the shutter is on it that's it. Just a little click. Very silent. And it's, I think it's hard set to F8. Um, it's hard set to F8 and it's designed to use ISO 400 film, but I've shot Cinestill 800 in this and I've gotten really fucking sweet results daytime with Cinestill 800 in here. Um, you know, I can't rave about this camera enough. Like it's, um, is definitely cool. 
I'm curious to check out the Ilford one too, because Ilford just released the Sprite 2, mm -hmm. uh, which is like their reusable camera, which is a little fancier. Like, you know, when you pick this thing up, you it feels like a total turd. Like it's just kind of plastic and flimsy, yeah. sort of shitty, which it surprised me that I love the photos out of it so much. Um, so I'm curious to see what the, the Ilford would be like, because it looks like they've built that to be a little bit more upscale and uh, a little more robust than this guy. Nice. I don't think I've seen it. It's a pretty cool looking one. Um, it's more boxy, um, hmm. but it's like the same idea. It's like a fixed lens with a flash. Um, yeah. But someone said they, the Russians also made a copy of the Bronica, which doesn't surprise me. Bronicas were dope. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that Rosie would rather have an 8x10. Yeah, Do you ever uh, get to mess around with 8x10 Polaroids? No, unfortunately not. I did have my portrait taken by, uh, what's his name, Devin. Um, you know, I forget his last name, but he's like, he's a well-known uh, large format instant film photographer from New York City. He was with Lamography for a while. And that was like the closest I got to seeing 8x10. It's really, really cool. Super, super shallow depth of field, too. Yeah, it's super crazy. And then, like, the whole process to, to make 8x10 Polaroids is, like, wicked wild, too. Yeah, it's fun. I still have the portrait he took of me. It's it's uh, one of my favorites. It was so long. It was, like, two, three years ago. Uh, speaking of photography, what's your opinion on digital photography? Because I know you mostly or probably only shoot a film but what, what is your take on digital so i don't only shoot film i do have a digital camera um this is this is the grip for my digital camera which it, it's reversed but it says poser yeah that's kind of how i feel about digital um but i don't shit on digital so yeah I know there's a lot of dudes out there and a lot, which is a lot of people, a lot of photographers um, that are just like, you know, it's film or nothing. You need to upgrade to film like digital is bullshit. And I think that's the total wrong approach to take with, with any of that stuff is like, it's a, it's a tool like anything. And <clears throat> in, in my mind, if, if it's what works best for you to create something, then sweet, all the more power to you. Like, you know, as long as you're not like harming anyone or like doing shitty things with it, go nuts. Like, I don't care if someone makes beautiful images with digital or if they make them with film. Like, you know, as long as people are creating things, I think that's the most important part is just like exercising our imaginations and collaborating with like one another. And um, yeah doesn't matter what the medium is if it's digital if it's film charcoal pens like <laughs> smoke yeah, exactly just make something um, exactly and i definitely like use I, I like i started i got originally got started with digital so um i started shooting with digital in 1995 Whoa. Yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit, but it was like with a shitty Apple quick take 
100, which was like a Kodak rebranded digital camera. I think it was total potato quality. It was like super garbage. Um, but That's kind of mind blowing because I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I thought we were like the same age. Uh, but in 95, I, I was five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. So you look young as hell. That's nuts. <laughs> Seriously. 95, I was, um, I was going into grade nine. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it was wild. And then I think we had like a sharp digital camera that I would borrow from, or no, it was a Kodak too. I'd borrow this Kodak from our media studies department in high school in the 90s and just do these shitty digital photos with it um super grainy probably oh all super grainy and like you know i thought i was being like super creative because like i would take pictures like i would put the camera inside dumpsters and just take like a harsh flash picture of the inside mm -hmm. of garbage cans and i called it a study of consumerism because mm. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea was you could like you know figure out what people are consuming by looking at garbage exactly that's a yeah. it's smart <laughs> thought i was super punk rock um yeah. but then i got in like i picked up um a nikon d70 when they first came out in the early 2000s and did a lot of like live music photography <clears throat> and street photography in vancouver um Cause it was just kind of, it was like a way to get into shows for free because it'd be like, yo man, you like, let me see your band. I'll take pictures and I'll give you guys a CD tomorrow. And they're like, Oh, what? Seriously? I'm like, yeah, totally. I got this digital joint here. It's the shit. Fuck film. <laughs> <laughs> like in the early two thousands, I was the opposite. I was like, this like film's stupid. What are you like fucking old white guy? No. Yeah. Like, you know, it's all about digital baby. <laughs> um, and I stopped shooting for a long time. I got married and priorities changed. Right. When I moved to Toronto, that's when that's when everything shifted. Um, I was having trouble like reconnecting with Toronto, or yeah. not not reconnecting. It was, I was having trouble connecting to Toronto, and the company I moved there for was not keeping me very busy at all. I had all this fucking time on my hands, so I picked up a used. <laughs> Nikon D300 from Craigslist and um, I'd go to Kensington Market every day and hang out at this coffee shop called Jimmy's Coffee and um, it was really cool um, going to the market every day because like when you're going that often you notice that this, the graffiti changes, the art changes and you kind of realize that like this neighborhood is actually like a kind of living thing on its own. Like it's always changing. It's always evolving and uh, <coughs> that stuff. Um, and then I got the film bug and that was dangerous. Like, goddamn, film is an expensive thing in all, all realms. Like, yes, definitely. Cameras developing everything. It's just, but it's so addicting. <clears throat> like, <clears throat> you know, as, as much as I like using my digital camera, it doesn't give me the same feel. Like, this thing, man, I know the Fuji makes a <coughs> version of this. I just don't have the money to get it. But the Texas, like, <clears throat> you know, the joy that this thing 
gives me to shoot. Like the camera is like almost as big as my fucking head. Like <laughs> it's wild. Um, what is that? A six by nine? I can't. Yeah, it's it's the the GW six <coughs> nine. Oh. Um, it's a beauty. Yeah. yeah, but it's like you know a super efficient way to waste even more money because you get eight shots on medium format. Um, and it's so easy to burn through them because it's you're having so much fun shooting this thing. Exactly. Um, it also makes me feel like a giant because it's just like, you know, what is this, a camera for ants? <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, what was your first film camera? Like, what, what got you uh, sucked into the, the film Dark Side? Let me see. Um, so believe it or not, my first film camera was the... SX-70 and the Insax 300. And then after that, I started um, venturing more into film. And I think it was a Canon AE-1. I love the Canon AE-1, man. Yeah. And then after that, um, I got like, like a Yashica 124, I believe it's called. Medium format. Um, I think that's pretty much the... And I mean, I've played with like other film cameras because my friend like collects so many film cameras. But like those were like the main ones that I I owned. Uh, one of my favorite, sorry to cut you off. One of my favorite right. film cameras that I've ever used would have to be the Hasselblad. I think it's the five hundred three. It's just a beauty to use. The lens is amazing. It's so like I love it. Yeah, with the waist level viewfinder. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it, amazing. It's cool. Like just you, you're just holding it like this, and you kind of like look. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I so I've never gone down the Hasky route, but I've got a Bronica SQAI, um, and I like that format of camera um, because when you're shooting with someone, you can have it be a lot more natural because you're not like pointing a thing at them when you don't have this, you don't have the camera between you two. Right. You can just kind of like hold it and you're like looking down sort of like framing it up and focusing while you're talking with them and then you can kind of just like wait for the right moment when they look natural and push the button and they have no idea exactly exactly yeah Yeah. also great for street photography too because you could do the same thing you could frame up a shot focus it and then just stand there and wait casually for like the right moment to like come by and push the button yeah it's very incognito yeah yeah yeah, it's a good all-around camera for sure. Except when the shutter goes off. The fucking Bronica sounds like a goddamn wet fart when you push the button. Does it? It's so... It's like... It's the mirror slap, right? It's the mirror slap. Yep. It's got such like a like a loud, flappy shutter noise when you push the button because it's like... Fum, fum. And yeah. so satisfying, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then you crank it. That yeah. whole like feeling is just beautiful (laughs) it is and like i think that that's what pulls me more towards film than digital (laughs) is that the tactile feel it's not that film better but it's just that like that feel you get with the cameras like when you're shooting with like the the zorky or leica and it's just like you know you got to do the advance to get the the film going and you've got to like you know set your shutter manually and do all that stuff whereas like you know with a digital camera, you're just like, oh, that's neat. I want to take a picture of it. Okay, there, I got it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it kind of takes the fun out of it. It does. It does. 
And like currently at this time, I'm like shooting digital, obviously, because it's easier. And I do it at work because I do have a lot of like their um, social like uh, media content and stock photography. So it's easier to like shoot it all, put it on my phone, send it. And it's like, boom, you know, fast. Yeah. But um, I feel like when it comes to film, it's more of a romantic way of capturing uh, photography. It's very personal. It's, 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 you know, more personal for sure. That's a good word. I like that. It, it is, it is more romantic and personal. It's almost like uh, going out to eat dinner and you order something versus being at home and you're like chopping up everything and you make it yourself. It's like it's a similar uh, experience in my opinion. Yeah. I like that analogy. That that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to get into like the, the home cooking and the, the real romantical shit, Mm -hmm. you got to try large format and anything you recommend. Um, if you could find yourself a nice field camera, like that, I like this McDonald's versus steak dinner. Yeah, there (laughs) you go. There you go. (laughs) Um, Yes, like if you could find a a field camera, I think that would probably be more, um, your, like, compatible with your shooting than, like, a rail camera, Uh, Mm -hmm. because, like, rail cameras are just so much more bulk to have to like heft around all the time right right uh, a field camera like folds up and it's like you know kind of nice and portable like a like a speed graphic or something um that would be like you could get into four by five with those uh toyo makes a nice four by five um i've got a wista four by five that i really fucking love um you can also find intrepid four by fives pretty regularly where people have like bought intrepid to get started and then like really fell in love with it and they upgrade to something a little bit more substantial and uh sell the, the intrepid off yeah yeah definitely um there was somebody that was shooting um uh that format i think it was like a crown camera i think it was called crown something i don't remember yeah. what it was and um they had like recommended it because it was like amazing for portraits. And that's usually like what I prefer to do is shooting portraits, getting a nice depth of field, you know, like nice blurry backgrounds, crispy image. So I think that's something like once I dive back into film, whenever that may be, it's something I may like get into trying yeah, developing uh, it myself and all that. A crown super graphic <clears throat> will, uh, is probably what they're talking. Cause that's also a range finder coupled one too. So with the Crown Super Graphic with a 135mm lens, um, you actually handheld, like, run and gun 4x5. You don't need to really necessarily tripod it. 135 on on that format, large format, would be, like, 35 or 50? Uh, I think it's somewhere, like, in between-ish. Right. That's beautiful, yeah. It's great for portraits. Like, the 135 lens is um, the one that I use the most um on my four by five um during covid though i started using a 210 um because it let me take portraits of people from like 30 feet away (laughs) yeah 210 yeah it was it was kind of insane like i 
I'm fucking stupid with large format because I'm still new to it. I didn't realize that my camera had an extension on the rail so that I could get more out of my bellows until like eight months ago. And I've had the camera for a few years now. So I felt stupid. (laughs) Um, But I learned about it in perfect time to be able to do pandemic portraits during COVID. And like the the four by five is cool. And if you already know how to dev at home, um, if you have a three reel Patterson tank, um, you can pick up this uh, this thing from uh, Bonet Photography, and it's called a bees reel, and it lets you process uh, six four by five sheets inside of a uh, three reel Patterson tank using only like five hundred milliliters of chemistry. Um, oh, wow! It holds them in there securely too, so that they don't fly out and they don't get fucked up. Because like that was. I tried using the mod 54 before, which was like another similar thing that lets you develop inside of a uh, three reel Patterson tank. Mm-hmm. Um, but when agitating the um, sheets would pop out of it sometimes and they get stuck to the walls or stuck to each other. And it's oh, like, no, no good. Um, so the bees reel is nice because it, it holds them secure. It's like this 3d printed tube that goes inside of the, um, the tank. And yeah. it worked really well. And I think they're like 70 or 80 bucks US. That's not terrible. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, and Emmy Samus says, don't need a lot of movements for portraiture. So press camera, crown, or speed graphic is great. 180 millimeter lens will give awesome shallow depth of field. And there's the Graphmatic six sheet holder that goes in. Yeah, I've heard people using the Graphmatic holder but it's sort of a, it's a bit of a crapshoot sometimes um, because if it's not working properly, you can actually scrape up the, uh, the sheets. Mm. Um, but it's a slick idea. It lets you hold six sheets in a single holder because uh, typically when you're doing um, four by five, um, with the four by five holders hold two sheets in, in each holder. The other thing you could do too, if you wanted to get into it and you wanted it to be a little easier, is um, buy the new ready load um, sheets from New 55. So New 55 has started preloading uh, like Portra and some Fuji, uh, Tri-X, T-Max, and HP5 into ready load sheets so that you can just use like a, a Polaroid four by five uh, holder to shoot the, the ready load sheet. And you don't mm-hmm. have to do anything other than you put it in the holder, you pull the dark side out, you shoot it, put it back in, and then you just hand that into your lab or you like take it into your dark room and, and process that, which is so much easier than having to do the fucking load the, the holder and uh, remember what you put in the holders. Cause if you're not shooting it constantly, like, I, I have a huge problem with, like, I've got a bunch of holders that I loaded, like, almost two years ago now that I can't remember what the fuck I put in them. Oh, no. <laughs> so, it's just, like, I guess I'll shoot them and see what happens. Yeah. Sheesh. Fun. Like, I, I think you would dig the, the 4 by 5 a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's something I'd probably pursue. That and... and back into like medium format as well you know just those two side by side 
you know, it'd be kind of cool too. So if you end up getting this job at the venue, it'll be really <laughs> fucking wild if they let you <clears throat> do something like this is if you could set up some stro like wireless strobes up in like the lighting rig or something. So you could like take four by five shots with, with, uh, with the strobes there. So you could get like, you know, good lighting exposure on, on right. the stage. Right, That'd be right. badass. Cause if you're working there, you'd be like, yo, you mind if I put like a couple lights up here and exactly. That'd be yeah. badass, man. That would. Yeah. Hopefully that falls through. But that's something I definitely want to like push for at the moment is getting in that field. That's fair. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Samuel says loading sheet film is easier than developing it at home. <laughs> That's fair. Like, I, I would probably use the new 55 stuff more for color because I don't develop color at home. I just do black and white at home. Yeah. So, um, if you know how to do both um, at home, then just getting the bees real um, is totally worth it. Yeah. And it's easy, like, what I found was the easiest way to load the 4x5 sheets was I gave up completely on using the change bag for it because I hated it. Mm -hmm. um, I just unplug everything in my bathroom and I put a towel down on the bottom of the door so the bathroom is totally dark. And I cut out, like, a piece of wood that goes over my sink so I have, like, a flat surface. Nice. And I just do all the loading and stuff in the bathroom. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh... That's probably more convenient than putting your hands in a dark bag and messing around and stuff. Yeah. Well, especially when you're working with four by five, just because it commands so much more space, it's just nice to True. be able to like, here's the the empty ones, here's the film, and then you can start creating stack of your loaded ones on the other side. Yeah. And it makes it go so much faster. Yeah. True. True. And there might even be a place where you. Are things like, over there in Toronto? I think we're getting. Am I coming through clear? Yeah. I kind of glitched. Okay. You're coming through there? Yeah, cool, cool. Um, I'm not in Toronto anymore. So I moved to Vancouver in May. Um, yeah. It was one of those COVID priority shift things, like all the reasons why I wanted to stay in Toronto um, no longer made sense anymore because, like, some of the biggest reasons was, like, I wanted to be able to, like, road trip down to, like um, – you know, Buffalo and Rochester. I wanted to go to New York. Um, wanted to go to Chicago, hit up Boston again, um, explore like the East Coast and Montreal and stuff. But um, COVID kind of put a big fat stop to all that shit. And um, we were in so many lockdowns in Ontario that like we couldn't even really collaborate with friends and stuff. So it's just like we're all sitting in our fucking houses bored out of our minds. Um, and then it, people that did go and create stuff during the first lockdown and shared it um, got shut down because they're just like, oh, you're being super reckless and like, you know, we're in a pandemic, like, why are you out shooting? And so a bunch of people got on like shit lists from that. And so it was just like, I want to make stuff, but I don't want to get in the shit list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I just, it made Toronto kind of a weird spot. And then I just, Wanted to be closer to family too, so um, moving back to British Columbia kind of made sense for for the time being in the new world. Um, but who knows? Maybe 
that'll shift in a little while, like as uh, this new world continues to evolve and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because still have not been to New York. Um, I really want to go though. Yeah, I'm sure you'd like it here. It's very fast paced. I don't know. I don't know if it compares to like a city anywhere else, but it's pretty fast paced out here. But it's fun. It's cool. What's your uh, What's your favorite part of New York? My favorite part of New York is uh, Lower Manhattan. That's just where I was like born and raised. And it's uh, it's just becoming this very expensive uh, town. It's like getting a place out here is impossible. And uh, like, you know, just price-wise, it's just too much. Um, but I love it out here. Um, yeah. I think if you came out here, the places to explore would be like Manhattan and like Bushwick, Brooklyn, spots like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you were on the shit list, Bessie. Yeah, I think it was more like there were a few people that like put together like they rented out a house and had like a bunch of models and a bunch of photographers come in and like do shit like that. Oh. Um, where it was yeah. just blatantly disregarding like the, the health. Um, exactly. Yeah. Health concerns. Right. Um, Brooklyn is a spot I want to go to though because um, I have like a wicked bad man crush on LP <laughs> and I've always wanted to go to Frankel's Deli because um, man their fucking sandwiches look good yeah. yeah yeah I mean I'm sure you'd love it if you came out here if you do, you should hit me up so we can link up and shoot. Definitely, man. You'd be one of the first people that I'd be like hitting up when when I head out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. Is it Bushwick? Was very nice, very post-industrial. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely like so. It's like Brooklyn, Bushwick were on the list for sure. Um, I don't really have anything else like sort of planned beyond that. Like the closest I've been to New York, got stuck at LaGuardia for like three and a half hours one time, and that sucked. Yeah. I flew over Brooklyn. That was kind of cool. Yeah, um, I'm sure it looked beautiful. Yeah, it did look beautiful, and then LaGuardia totally ruined it. I was just like, this place is the fucking worst. Yeah. Yeah. LaGuardia Airport, for sure. Yeah, and one of the American... It was like a pairing of, like, American Airlines and LaGuardia. It was just, like, a match made in hell. Um, I think they were doing some construction, so it's, like, one of the terminals we kept getting bounced back and forth from smelt like raw sewage. It was amazing. <laughs> just booked the flight, crashed at Jay's couch, and take care of his cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean... I am not too old for couch surfing yet. I'll yeah. that. Just as long as people don't mind my sleep apnea machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the only part of getting old that sucks so far is the sleep apnea machine and uh, crippling anxiety. But I think that's more of like a life thing, not yeah. like getting 
thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially during a pandemic, I feel I feel like a lot of people came down with anxiety and stuff like that. Yes, the pandemic was interesting. Like, I think a lot of people who've never had to ever, ever, ever deal with even like the furthest thought of depression or anxiety had to experience it in some way. And uh, it was interesting, like, hearing how some people I knew, like, their reactions and responses to it and being like, oh, my God, this is the worst. And it's like, oh, honey, welcome to the club been here for a while yeah <laughs> it doesn't get much better <laughs> exactly a lot of people had to confront their own demons because you know like people were let go from work and they had to be home all that time with their own thoughts so kind of sucks yeah i mean there's that yeah like it's we live in a really interesting society where we all tend to try and escape from things in some way or another and it's like having to be trapped with just you can be a little weird sometimes um but i think like a really good net benefit of of covid was um i don't think we would have had um as much traction in social movement as we have if, if COVID hadn't have happened. Right. True. Because we would have just been distracted and um, these atrocities that have happened over the past like, year and a half um, would have just just been noise in the, the garble. So I think like that's the one good thing of COVID is that like it actually unified a lot of us in I think it's made a lot of people realize that, like, the way we were living um, probably wasn't very good, isn't very good, and uh, we need to find a way to, like, do better and be better to each other. Yeah, so true. Like, what what was New York like during the, the peak pandemic? Because you guys got hit super <sighs> fucking hard. Yeah, I think we were, like, the worst. We had it, like, the worst in the world possibly for a certain amount of time from what i know at least um it was you know i know I, this sounds fucked up but it was beautiful because like new york to me and to new yorkers it's like this busy place it's like people are always on the street it's like always busy so when the pandemic hit there was like this uh shutdown and it was like if you're not if you're not an essential worker you gotta stay home or else, like, you're going to get in trouble. So it was like, you would go out and go to Times Square. And I went to Times Square every day traveling to work. And it was just like uh, a ghost town. And it was just like, it was very, um, it was like out of a movie. It was kind of like uh, that movie with Will Smith and the zombies. I forget what it's called. I Am oh, Legend. Uh, I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what it was like. It was like, um, you're roaming the streets and the only cars out are cop cars. And nobody's out. And it was like, wow, that's insane. Did you get any photos during that time? Um, I don't think I got any like amazing ones because there was a lot of like there was like law enforcement everywhere, and there were like people were like pushing people like you know like if you're outside, do what you got to do, like get off the street type thing. 
so I didn't get anything like amazing but like uh, the experience was just like something out of this world something that I don't think a lot of people will ever experience in their lifetime is just seeing New York City completely shut down yeah it's nuts yeah it was nuts like seeing that in Toronto like driving on the Gardner Expressway which is usually like a parking lot most of the time Mm -hmm. being like the only car on there or like you know there's like two or three cars and it's just like the fuck like the the one regret i have is that i didn't check out the ttc like the toronto subway um yeah. during the pandemic because it was like totally empty most of the time and some people got some really amazing photographs of just like empty subway stations empty subway cars and um yeah, just places where there'd be like, you know, thousands of people usually and just like nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then people got bored. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fuck it. <laughs> Pandemic, schmandemic, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. Did that's did the similar thing kinda of happen in New York? Did people just like get fed up with it or Like, I heard of a lot of people doing, like, parties on the street and stuff, but there were things getting shut down. So it was, like, at the time, the mayor was, uh, the mayor and the governor were taking things very seriously because the death count was just, like, insane. It was, like, I think at one point it was, like, 200,000 people a day were dying or something like that. It was, like, don't quote me, but the numbers were, like, insane. And so, like, they were basically anything going on that wasn't supposed to be going on was getting, was getting shut down store people who were opening restaurants or keeping like underground stuff going on they were getting shut down so it was like it was like no tolerance for none of that shenanigans yeah and bessie says a lot of relationships suffered too because of the pandemic yeah and, and not just people relationships too like i never thought about this until it was the first weekend we were allowed to leave the house legit and I went to go to this coffee shop that I bought beans from. And while I was waiting in the lineup to get in, this dog was just like losing its fucking mind. Like not angry losing its mind, but just kind of like, hey, 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 like pay attention to me. And the owner was like, I'm so sorry. She usually fucking hates people. But like, she's been super weird since we've been stuck in the house because like all of her shit's been disrupted. So now whenever she sees people, she just like wants all the attention yeah i was like fuck i never thought about that it's like we're suffering with this but like all these animals that we're used to like having social interactions and and whatever you know kind of fuck them up too and yeah it's just like all these things you would never really think about that uh we had to start sort of like facing and considering because of uh because of COVID. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I have to get going. It was great chatting. No, thank but I you. I have to get to you. Uh, no, I do. I appreciate you jumping on with me here. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what you get going again on the film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll keep in touch for sure. Definitely. If I end up going to New York, I will definitely be hitting you up and if you ever have questions on large format um let me know 
yeah, you'll be the guy I definitely go to. All right. Well, I appreciate you jumping on with me here and everyone for tuning in. Um, next week, I'm going to have Michael Bellin on from Analog Forever magazine. Uh, yeah. Met him at the, uh, Film Today in San Clemente in 2019. Um, yeah, so it should be an interesting uh, episode with him. He's another Polaroid fanatic. So nice. know, thanks for day. I appreciate that. And I hope you have a great week, man. Yeah, man. Same to you. And I'm definitely going to tune in to that episode. Cool, man. Take her easy. Take care, guys. Stay safe out there, everyone. Bye-bye.